You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from Heritage Baptist Church in Corpus Christi, Texas, led by Pastor Johnny Che. Our church is dedicated to serving Jesus Christ and reaching the world by going forward with the gospel. We pray that you will be helped and blessed by this message from God's Word. God bless you. Cell phones on silent, please. Let's make sure that we sit still for the message. We will get to How is your relationship with God? What word would you use to describe your relationship with God? Could you use the word thriving? And some of you might say that. Could you use the word healthy? Could you use the word better? It's doing better than it was. And even if you can say it's doing better, I'd say it's healthy, I'd say it's good, could you also use this word, distant? What I mean by that is you would say it's not what it could be. Or maybe you would say it's not what it used to be. Or maybe you would say, certainly not what I'd like it to be. Distant. This message is for you. There are only two culprits in your life that bring distance between you and the Lord. One of them is sin. Sin is anything that we do Any action or any thought against God's law. We could define sin as what we do against God. And sin brings separation. Adam and Eve were in the garden. They sinned. Separation came. You think about Abraham. Abraham sinned with Hagar. 13 years God didn't speak to him. You think about Saul, King Saul in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit would come upon him. God would speak to him. God would lead him. He began to get proud. He began to sin against the Lord. And there were times where he would inquire of the Lord of what to do. And the Bible would say God wouldn't answer him that day. Sin brings separation. What we do against God brings separation. David David sinned with Bathsheba. And when he gets right, he says this, cast me not away from thy presence. Because he had just suffered that for about a year. What about Isaiah 59 too? Your iniquities have separated between you and your God. Your sins have hid his face from you. Jeremiah 5.25 says, Your sins have withholden good things from you. Sin, what we do against God, separates. Sin is our outward actions. The second thing that brings separation is distractions. Any person or anything that steals our focus from God. 
Sin is what we do against God. Distractions are what we serve besides God. Sin is our outward actions. Distractions are our inward affections. And a distraction may not be a sin by itself, but it becomes a sin by its spot. Nothing wrong with having a spouse. Nothing wrong with having money. Nothing wrong with having a career. Nothing wrong with having an education. Nothing wrong with having a hobby. Nothing wrong with having a home. Nothing wrong with having a car. Nothing wrong with having a boyfriend or a girlfriend. Not a sin in itself. But if their place is before God, they are a distraction. And they separate you from the Lord. Not a sin in itself, but a sin in its spot. So if at this moment you feel distant from God, which by the way, when you're away from God, do you not feel it? Do you not feel it? Some people don't. I don't understand you. And neither does the author of our passage this morning that we'll get to in a little bit. But if at this moment you feel distant, you can blame one and or two culprits. Sin and distraction. What you have done against God or what you have served besides God. Interesting. Oh, my notes are upside down. Now, beyond feeling distant, which, by the way, feelings can be inaccurate. So let's not put too much stock in that. I feel distant. Okay, beyond feeling distant, there are obvious signs of distance. That would be a little bit more wise for us to base our decisions off of rather than our feelings. We get in trouble when we base our decisions off of feelings and not facts. Let's talk about facts. There are facts that come when you are distant from God. There are obvious signs of distance, symptoms that show when you are distant from God. Symptom number one, you don't pray. You don't pray. Uh, well, I pray for my food. I'm not talking about that. Oh, I pray for the day. Yeah, yeah, these shallow, Lord, thank you for this day. Be with the president. What does that mean? If God answered that prayer, would you know it? What do you mean, be with the president? Ethan, stand up. You're the president. Lord, be with the president. And I'm not saying the Lord is some sarcastic, but if he's going to answer that prayer, Okay. Now, how will you ever know that? How about, uh, Lord, uh, you can sit down, Mr. President. <laughs> how about being a little bit more specific? I'm, I'm not talking about the shallow, liturgical, you know what, I, I, I have the Bible app on my phone. How many of you have the Bible app on my phone? And one thing I like is the verse of the day. Okay, it's the verse of the day. But then after that, there's this little video of some social media influencer giving their opinion on what the verse says. <laughs> Moving on. And then, and then after that, there's, there's a prayer. There's a prayer. Re recite this prayer. No. 
No, that, that's not prayer. Prayer is from your heart to the Lord, not somebody else's heart to the Lord. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you are distant from God, you don't ask, you don't rely, you don't agonize saying, Lord, I need you. You don't do that when you're distant from him. When's the last time you agonized in prayer? Now, maybe you say recently, hold that in your pocket. Hold that in your pocket. Here's another sign that you are distant. Your desires are all misplaced. When you are close to God, he's all you want. He's all you need. Before Jesus showed up at the house, Mary and Martha were both running around like chickens with their head cut off, getting everything ready. As soon as Jesus walked in, Mary was enamored. And he's all she wanted. He's all she needed. One thing is needful, is what Jesus said. But when you're distant from him, all your desires are misplaced. All you can think about is temporal stuff. All you can think about is carnal stuff, earthly stuff, inappropriate stuff, unnecessary stuff, restricted stuff. When you are distant from God, and because your desires are misplaced, and it's not enough for us to desire, we work for those desires, right? We work to bring those desires into fruition. But because your desires are misplaced, and remember who I'm talking to. I'm talking to saved, born again, redeemed people. When you are a child of God, but you are distant from him, and your desires are not where they should be, one sign of distance is all of the labor that you are putting in to obtain your desires comes to nothing. Because God's not going to let it happen. He's not going to let it happen. Have you read Haggai? Have you read Haggai? You sow much, you bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. Ye drink, but none of you are filled with drink. Ye clothe you, but there is none warm. And when you bring home wages, you bring it home to put it into a bag with holes. Why? Why, God asked, why? Because my house isn't built. Because you've gotten away from me. You're spending all your time. Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses and my house lie waste? Is it time for you to seek after your own riches and your own desires and your own lumber and your own homes and your own cars and your own clothing? When my church and my ministry and my needs are not dealt with. You're going to sow much. Nothing wrong with how you're sowing. I'll make sure you bring in little. You're going to eat. Nothing wrong with how you're eating. You don't forget how to eat when you're distant. It just doesn't satisfy you anymore. You don't forget how to drink when you're distant. It just doesn't fill you. Your clothes don't wither away when you're distant. They just don't warm you the way that they used to. That's a sign of being distant. All of your labor, all of your work comes to nothing. And so when you see all of your work and all of your labor come to nothing for things that you truly desire, guess what you start doing? You start praying. But you're only praying so that God can fulfill your desires. You're only praying that God will bless your labor. And does he answer that prayer? 
Those are signs that you are distant. Lord, let me win the lotto. Lord, let me get that promotion. If I get that promotion, then I can stick it to that person, and I can do this, and I can do that. Lord, let my ministry grow so that I have a reputation. Lord, give me this position so that I can get attention. And because you pray wrong, your prayers go unanswered. Do all of these symptoms sound familiar? It's because they come from the scriptures. Ye lust and ye have not. Ye kill and desire to have, and yet ye cannot obtain. Because ye ask not. Ye ask and ye receive not, because ye ask amiss. Because you're only wanting to consume it upon your own lust. And the Bible goes on and on and on and on and on, and it will get to the text that we get to. But here's, here's the thing. Those are all symptoms. The, the reason you don't pray, the reason your desires are wrong, the reason all your labor comes to nothing, the reasons you pray for the wrong thing, the reason your prayers are going unanswered is because you're distant from God. And the reason you're distant from God is because your sin and your distraction. And it can happen so easily, can it? It can happen quickly, easily, naturally. Brother Ben, come on up, please. Stand right here, your gut, for now. You can be close one day, very close one day, to where you can hear him clear his throat, where you're about to do something and, and all he has to do is, <clears throat> sorry, I won't do it, I won't say it. But then something happens at work and you start getting a little distracted by that at work. So instead of waking up in the morning and reading your Bible, you're checking your emails. And then things start going real well at work. So then the next day, instead of reading your Bible, you're checking the stocks. And then something happens, the news happens. And so now you're watching the news. I'll get to, I'll get to my Bible in just a little bit. And then because you've been getting away from your Bible and you haven't been spiritually fed, your patience starts growing less and less with your family. So you start to get snippy. You start to say things that you shouldn't say. You start to think things that you shouldn't think. You've gotten out of the habit now of being close to God so it doesn't bother you to miss church. It doesn't bother you to miss prayer. It doesn't bother you to do this. I'm going to start focusing on this. Now you've been working so hard, I need some more me time. I'm going to go on vacation and I'm just going to focus... How in the world did I get here? Hey, he hasn't moved. How in the world did I get here? Sin, thank you, sin and distraction. And then the question is this, is it possible to ever get back? Because that's a long way. And it's easy for us to say, yes. Okay, how? How? First of all, I want to know if it's possible. Somebody says yes, just willy-nilly. Okay, okay, how? Because I want to know, will I ever know what it's like to pray and know he hears again? Will I ever know what it's like to feel his peace and love again? Will I ever know what it's like to want only him? Will I ever know what it's like to see his hand of blessing in my life again? 
and his guidance again? Will I ever know that he's with me again? And people want to say, yes, yes, it's possible. How? And there's verses in the Bible that teach you how to bridge the gap, how to close the distance, how to draw nigh to God. James chapter 4. Verse 8. Draw nigh to God. I am so glad he doesn't stop there. And he will draw nigh to you. I'm so glad he doesn't stop there. God doesn't just tell us what to do. He tells us how to do it. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. Let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord and he shall lift you up. Father, bless the preaching of your word, the reading of it. Save the soul here that is nearest hell. Save the soul here that is farthest from hell but is still on their way. I ask that you would convict of sin, call prodigals home, and glorify your name. We ask this in your name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. I see six key components in those verses. Six key components. First of all, I see an invitation. Draw nigh to God. Which, you know what that tells me, Miss Christine? Distance is never God's choice. It's never God's choice. I stand at the door and knock. If any man hear my voice, I, and, and answer, I will, I will come in. I will come in and sup with him and he with me. How about this? How often would I have gathered you like a hen would have gathered her chicks under her wings, but you wouldn't. Distance is never God's choice. You are as close to God today as you want to be. I see an invitation. Draw nigh to God. Here's what else I see. I see two groups that are addressed. I see instruction given to those two groups and they're different instructions, but they're the same principle. And that principle is really what I want to focus on this morning. I see a warning about the severity of distance. I see a promise if those instructions are followed. And then lastly, I see this final reminder of the timing of, of closing this gap, the order of closing this gap. Now, number one is already done. Draw an eye to God. There is an invitation. He is telling you, I want you to be close to me. So now we're going to talk about the other ones. And I, I didn't give them in any specific order. So I, I think, first of all, we need to talk about the severity of being distant from God. Be afflicted and mourn and weep. And let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy to heaviness. Here's my question and here's James's question. How can anybody, especially a born-again believer, be far from God and yet happy? 
Let's get more specific. How can you not think to pray? How can you get so far that you won't even think to talk to your Savior? How can you not even think to pray and yet have the ability to laugh? That's what James asks. How can your heart be desirous of all the wrong things and yet be joyful? How can you spend your life chasing after things that will mean nothing in eternity? That, mean, that have absolutely no spiritual value. How can you spend your life chasing after those things and not weep over such a waste? How can you approach God in prayer only to ask him for selfish and carnal things without feeling afflicted by your disrespect? And how can you watch prayer after prayer after prayer go unanswered without mourning such a loss? How can you enjoy a movie when you're far from God? Christian, believer, how can you, how can you laugh at a show when you're far from God? How can you relish in a book? Not this one. How can you relish a book when you're far from God? How can you relax on vacation when you're far from God? How can you sleep in comfort when you're far from God? When David was far from God, he said, I, I wet, teenagers, don't let your mind go crazy. I wet my bed all night with my tears. How can you savor friendships when you're far from God? How can you focus at work when you're far from God? How can you focus at school when you're far from God? How can you benefit at church when you're far from God? Here's my answer. God must not mean that much to you. See the child that does not weep when they're far from their parents. And you will find a child that doesn't care about their parents. See a spouse that is not tormented when their marriage is suffering. And you will find a spouse that does not care. Now they might, if, 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 but if you find a spouse that is tormented enough to be angry, tormented enough to be heartbroken, tormented enough to cry, tormented, that relationship means something. But one that can just, eh, doesn't bother me. They can go off, they can laugh, they can joke, they can do it. Show me a friend that is not afflicted when distance comes between another friend, they didn't care much about that friend. So when somebody can be far from God and not be afflicted, not mourn, not weep, 
only laughter, only joy. God must not mean that much to you. Distance should torment you, child. Because remember what brings that distance. What brings that distance? Two things. Sin, distraction. Those are the two groups that are addressed. Sinners, double-minded. We are sinners based on what we do against God. We are double-minded based on what we serve besides God. When you take God's name in vain, you're a sinner. When you put your career before God, you're double-minded. When you're drinking and smoking, you're a sinner. When you put your boyfriend and your girlfriend before God, you're double-minded. Or when you serve God on Sundays, but boyfriend and girlfriend are Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and God, you have Sundays, you're double, you're double-minded. When you curse, you're a sinner. When you put projects before God, oh, well, I would be at church, but I'm fixing up my home. You're double-minded. When you are immoral, you're a sinner. When you put your ministry before your relationship with God, you're double-minded. When you lie, when you gossip, when you have pride, when you listen to the wrong music, when you watch the wrong shows, you are a sinner. But when you put your appearance, you put your money, you put your education, you put anything before God or on an equal plane with God, you are double-minded. Johnny, are those really a big deal? Yes, they're a big deal because they bring distance. They bring distance. Be afflicted. Be afflicted. Mourn, weep, let your laughter be turned into sorrow, let your joy be turned into whatever it is. You know what it is. But change this idea that I can sin against God and I can serve things beside God and everything will be fine. The danger of it, though, is it happens so easily. And it happens so quickly. And it happens so naturally. So you ask yourself, is it possible to get back? How can I close the gap? So then we see this instruction given to these two groups. You ready? Hey, sinner. So many of you looked up at that point. Good. Hey, sinner, whose outward actions are against God's law. And hey, double-minded person whose inward affections are placed on something or someone other than God. There's an invitation to you here. Draw nigh to God. Close the gap. You ask how. Okay, sinners, cleanse your hands. Double-minded, purify your hearts. Get this. What does that mean? What does that mean? Go, go to the bathroom and wash your hands. Sprinkle yourself with holy water. What does it mean? What does it mean? Okay, we've got to think about it. Let's not overcomplicate it. Sinners, change your outward actions that are against God and commit actions that are for God. And double-minded people, take your inward affections that are placed on things other than God and place them back on God. I tell you, this Bible is just so hard to understand especially this King James Version. 
Cleanse your hands, ye sinners. What does that mean? Purify your hearts, ye double-minded. What does that mean? It's not difficult to understand. It's difficult to put into practice when your heart is hard. Sinners, do you want to draw nigh? Change the outward actions that brought the distance. Double-minded person, you want to draw nigh to God? Remove those inward affections that distract you from God. Here's how Romans 6.19 puts it. Let me raise your hand if I lose you, okay? I, I, am, I am giving this to you. Raise your hand if I lose you at any point. Here's Romans 6.19. As ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness and holiness. Okay, I haven't lost anyone. Good, let's keep going. Paul is writing to the Ephesian church. And the Ephesian church is dealing with sin and distraction because they're human. It's easy, it's natural. And one of the Ephesian churches says, I'm having a problem with lying. One of the members in the Ephesian church says, I have a problem with lying. You know what Paul says? Put away lying, let every man speak truth to his neighbor. And then another one says, I have a problem with stealing. Hmm. Let him that stole steal no more, but labor with his hands. Am I losing anybody yet? How about when John the Baptist comes up? John the Baptist comes up, and he's dealing with a lot of people who are repenting and getting right with the Lord. And he says this, bring ye forth fruits, meat for repentance. You know what that means? You are saying that you have changed your heart. You are saying that you have changed your mind. Your life will change also. Bring forth fruits that match your words that you have repented. So then you have publicans that say, what shall we do? What, what shall we do? We have repented and we want to bring forth fruits that are meat for repentance. Publicans, what should we do? And you know what John says? You have a tendency to steal. Exact no more than what you need to. And then the soldiers say, what should we do? We have a problem with violence. Do violence to no man. And then the soldiers go to walk away and they turn around and say, oh, we also have a problem with lying. Falsely accuse nobody. Oh, we also have a problem with greed and complaining against the government. Be content with your wages. <laughs> that, that, is that difficult? That is not difficult. I, I have this distance. I have this sin. I have this distraction. And the answer is stop. Now, wait a second. That's not difficult, but it can be intimidating. Okay? I'm not trying to be sarcastic. I'm not trying to be just, here's the message. Stop. Dismissed. Yeah, that's a help. That's like coming and saying, I'm going to teach you how to make a million dollars. All right, step one, make a million dollars. Good luck. Moron, I'm not helping you at, the, at this point, okay? So it's, and maybe it's not difficult to understand the concept, but it can be intimidating. Brother Ben, can you come back up again? Because when you see this huge gap 
between you and the Lord, a huge gap that happened easily, quickly, and naturally. I mean, you can't even comprehend how you've gotten this far. How in the world are you supposed to comprehend how to, how to bridge the gap? I don't even know how I got here. How, how am I supposed to comprehend how to get back? And it can be intimidating. How do I draw nigh? And here's what I will tell you. You may never comprehend bridging that gap. But here's what you can do. And it's the principle of James 4.8. You may never comprehend bridging that gap. Here's what you can do. You can do the next right thing. Oh, I don't know how I will ever bridge that gap again. Yeah, that's intimidating. Here's what you can do. You can read your Bible today. You know what has led to this? I, I have a problem with my mouth. How am I ever going to get back? That's intimidating. Here's what you can do. You can not cuss today. Oh, I can't do that. You cannot cuss today. I have a problem with smoking. Well, you, you, here's, what, here's what you can do. You can pray the Lord helps you with victory today. You can do the next right thing. I don't know how I'll ever close that gap. Here's what you can do. You can come to church today. And then this afternoon, there's still a big gap, preacher. Well, you can come to church tonight. Well, I have, I've been doing that. You can come to prayer meeting tonight. That's what you can do. You can do the next right thing. The next time that you are looking at the gap, stop looking at the gap and start thinking of the steps. I don't know if I can... How am I going to quit that? All right, all right. Quitting that seems intimidating right now. Here's what you can do. You cannot do it today. But then what about tomorrow? Don't worry about tomorrow. By the time tomorrow, I'm not talking about tomorrow. By the time tomorrow gets here, it'll be today. And then just do it again. You can do the next right thing. The steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. And I understand that the Bible is a, is a light unto our path, but before it's a light unto our path, it's a lamp unto my feet. And by little and little, God drives out sin. From, hey, it took step by step to get you here. It'll be step by step to get you back. Okay, so... When the adulterous woman found herself here and Jesus said this, go and sin no more. That's, a, that's intimidating. You know what he was telling her? Lady, do the next right thing. What about after that? Do the next right thing. What about after that? Do the next right thing. I had another example, but my notes are all the way over there and it would ruin the illustration. <laughs> and, and hey, hey. We're forgetting about something, though. We're forgetting about something, though. Something really exciting. Something really exciting. When we just do the next right thing, when we just, 
I, I'm going to cleanse my hands. I'm going to purify my heart. I'm going to, I'm not going to focus on that inward affection that has brought me, not today. And that thing, that sin that I have committed, the problem with my temper, not today. I'm going to do the next right thing. That, but there's still such a gap. But you're forgetting the promise. You're forgetting the promise. Remember the promise? Draw nigh to God. Oh, he draws an eye to you. And you do the next right thing. And you do the next right thing. And the next right thing. And the next right thing. And, and you will be surprised how quickly. <laughs> you, okay, so it's, I don't mean to push you around. <laughs> Remember at the beginning? So easily, so quickly. So naturally, how in the world did we get here? Church, the Bible promises you just do the next right thing. The next, you're going to stumble every now and then. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even a just man falls seven times and rises up again. You confess it, you forsake it, and you do the next right thing, and you do the next right thing, and you do the next right thing, and you do the next right thing. And just like at the beginning of the service, you ask, how in the world did I get here? One day you're going to wake up and go, oh, how did you get here? How many of you have heard, thank you, Lord. How many of you have heard testimonies? How many of you have heard testimonies where I got away from the Lord and I struggled and it was the hardest part of my life, but I just put my head down and I just went forward and I moved and I moved and then suddenly God just opened up again. And it was like, it was like it always was, but even better because I realized he's a God of second chances and I understand his grace now and his mercy now more than ever. You drew nigh to God, he drew nigh to you. Remember after Peter got so distant from God, I go a fishing. I'm going to go back to do what I'm supposed to do or what I used to do. And when Jesus said, feed my sheep, you know what he was saying? Peter, do the next right thing. But then you say this. Well, it's, yes, sin, sin has brought me here, okay, and it was gossip for me. Okay, all right, well, don't gossip today. It was music for me. Well, turn, turn Spotify off today. Well, what about tomorrow? Well, tomorrow is today. Apply the same lesson. But then maybe you say this, it's my inner, it's my inner affections for me. It's my double-mindedness for me. And here's the deal, it's my job. It's my job, so are you telling me to quit my job? It's my family. Are you telling me to leave my family? It's, it's my education. Are you telling me to lose my credits? Hard answer, hard answer. Better to quit your job than not have a relationship with the Lord. As far as your family is concerned, Jesus did say, whosoever doth not hate father or mother cannot be my disciple. And it better, better to lose your credits than to lose your closeness with the Lord. But no, 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 I'm not telling you to quit your job. I'm not telling you to leave your family. I'm not telling you to quit school. I'm not, I'm not telling you to do all, all of those things have a place. Not first place. Not first place. I am not telling you to remove your job. I'm telling you to move your job to its proper place. I'm not telling you to remove your family. I'm telling you to move your family to its proper place. 
I'm not telling you to remove your education. I'm telling you to move your education to its proper place. And step by step, inch by inch, do the next right thing. There's a promise. Draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. When you change your outward actions, God sees it and he responds. And when you shift your inward affections, God sees it and he responds. And you'll be surprised how quickly you can be close to him again. But you have to act first. You must do the next right thing. You must cleanse your hands. You must purify your hearts. You must act and God will react. You must draw nigh and he will draw nigh to you. And that is what verse 10 gives us. The, the final reminder of the order of closing this gap. You humble yourself first. I will exalt you. God is ready to act. He's waiting on you. You draw nigh. I will draw nigh. You act, I will react. Which tells me no matter how far you are, you can be close again. Now remember who I'm talking to. Saved, born again, redeemed people. I asked you at the beginning, how is your relationship with God? He's over there, always. Where are you? Where are you? Well, I used to be here and now I'm here. You're better, but you're still distant. Unless you are right here, you're distant because that's what he wants. How often would I have gathered you under my wings? If you're all the way over there, where, where, where are you? Where are you? But I think a lot of us would have to answer distant, not what it could be, not what it used to be, not what I'd like it to be. Only two culprits, sin and distraction. And if you're living life like everything's fine, be afflicted and mourn and weep and get rid of your laughter and get rid of your joy until you are close again. Because it's a problem. It's a problem. You must be close again. And there's an invitation. Draw nigh to God. Come close again. But it starts with you. Do the next right thing. Can you do that? Stop thinking about the gap. The gap is important. The gap is also pretty intimidating. Here's what you do. Instead of looking at the gap, think of the steps. What is the next right thing? And if you're telling me you're distant from God and you won't even come back to church tonight, I don't see a lot of effort. And if you're not going to be at church tonight and you're sitting at home laughing at a show, I don't see a lot of care. Yep. Well, Pastor, the, this whole thing is new to me. Sunday night service, it's, it's big enough for me to be here on Sunday morning. Okay, here's what I'll tell you. Come the next Sunday morning. You can do that. Come the next Sunday morning. If you've been coming Sunday morning, well, come Sunday school next, next time. Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Do the next right thing. Draw nigh to God. He will draw nigh to you. Now I need to address. Can you come back up again? Now I need to address the lost. You are unsaved. Jesus is not your savior. You do not have a relationship with him. Focus in, focus in, focus in. There is nothing you can do to bridge the gap. 
This message is not for unsaved people. Don't, listen to me. Don't you walk out of here thinking, oh, it's up to me. If you, nope, that is only when you're saved. That is only when you're born again, only when you're redeemed. Faith without works is dead. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Read at the beginning of James, my brethren, my brethren. Right. He's talking to my brethren, but he's talking to brethren who are not doing right. In fact, at one point he said, my brethren, these things ought not so to be. If you are not God's child, there is nothing you can do to bridge the gap. Not a thing. Not a baptism, not a communion, not a sacrament, not a giving to charity, nothing. There is nothing you can do to bridge the gap. Well, that's horrible news. No, actually, it's really good news. Because when you're lost and you call, he bridges the entire gap. When it's good news, actually. He does all the work. He comes to where you are. If you just call upon his name. It's faith alone. It's faith alone. No works, no baptism. He's not, go back again. He's not standing over there. He's not standing over there and saying, okay, uh, once you go to church, I'll come and save you. Oh, a Baptist church, by the way. Don't waste my time with any of these other ones. <laughs> Oh, and an independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, blow-in-the-bottle, nothing in the... Yikes. He doesn't do that. When you are lost and you say, Lord, be merciful to me, a sinner, he bridges the whole gap. If you will just call on him. But then, you know what he does? He loves you so much to come to where you are he loves you too much to keep you there. So he's going to start walking you this way. And he's going to walk with you. You need to get baptized. Yes, sir. Now you need to get in church more faithfully. Yes, sir. You need to read your Bible. Yes, sir. Hey, stop saying that. Yes, sir. Hey, stop watching that. Yes, sir. And now and then it's easy and it's natural. You're going to say it again. And he ain't going to follow you. And you're going to watch it again, and he ain't going to follow you. And you're going to get distracted, and you're going to get this, and you're going to say this, and you're going to do this, and then you're going to, oh, whoa. Lord, come to me. Lord, come to me. Lord, come to me. All right, what do I need to do? I've been cussing. Not today. I've been missing church. Not today. I haven't been reading my Bible. I'm going to read my Bible today. I haven't been praying for the right things. Lord, I'm sorry. I'm going to, I'm going to pray about the right things today. I'm going to take care of my family. I haven't been. Oh, hi. Can we walk now? Yeah, because two can walk together when they're agreed. Mm -hmm. Now what do we do? And we keep on going, and then there's going to be another time. What do you do? Oh, look at the gap. Look at the gap. No, look at the steps. Next right thing. Next right thing. But if you're lost, thank you. If you're lost, he will bridge the whole gap today. He'll bridge the whole gap today, and you'll start a journey together. If you have started the journey and there's distance, he's ready. He's waiting. 
but it's not up to him to make the first move. He already did when he died on the cross for you. And he said, when you accepted me and you were baptized, you were raised to walk in newness of life. And I will not walk with you in the oldness. Do the next right thing. I'll meet you halfway. Like that prodigal son. He was a son before he left. And just because he left didn't make him not a son anymore. And he did a lot of horrible things. But the day came when he said, I'm done. And I'm going to do the next right thing. And he came over that horizon. And as soon as the father saw him, he ran and met him halfway. And they rejoiced together. Thank you for listening to our audio preaching podcast. For more information about our ministries, or if you would like to get in contact with us, please visit our website at heritagebaptistcctx.org. May God bless you as you go forward with the gospel this week.